Hello, and welcome to the Curious Clubhouse podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jason. And if you're new to the podcast, this is a weekly podcast where I take you on a brief, informative journey into a specific subject or topic that has helped shape and influence today's pop culture. This week, we are on episode 12, and we are going back. We're taking it way back. Got a lot of nostalgia in this episode. We are talking, of course, about the Super Mario Brothers video game franchise. Super pumped for this episode. As I'm sure most of my listeners know, they probably you've probably played a Super, Super Mario Brothers game in your lifetime. I, myself, have played... Super Mario Brothers for the original Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Nintendo Switch. Obviously, any Nintendo game console that's been released has had some kind of Super Mario Brothers game attached to it. So super pumped about this week's episode. As always, I'll tell you a bit about what Super Mario Brothers is. We'll talk about the origins and inspirations behind the Super Mario Brothers franchise. This week, I'm adding a new segment called Curious Legacy, where we'll dive into the legacy of the Super Mario Brothers franchise. As always, we'll talk about some other properties related to the franchise, and as always, end things with some cool and curious facts surrounding Super Mario. So without further ado, let's dive in here and let's get curious. So what is Super Mario? Well, Super Mario is a platform-based game series created by Nintendo starring their mascot, Mario, alternately called Super Mario Brothers series or simply the Mario series. It is the central series of the greater Mario franchise. At least one Super Mario game has been released for every major Nintendo video game console. There are more than 20 games in the series. So a massive franchise of games here. And every year it seems like we continue to get a new game. So definitely not losing steam, definitely not slowing down. So continuing on here, the Super Mario Brothers games are set primarily in the fictional Mushroom Kingdom, typically with Mario as the player character, though he is usually joined by his brother Luigi, as well as other members of the Mario cast. These include, but are not limited to, Toads, Princess Peach, Yoshi, Wario, Rosalind, Miss Todette, Nabbit, Daisy, and Bowser Jr. The Mushroom Kingdom is a principality ruled by Princess Peach as head of state. A minority of humans, like Princess Peach, Mario, and Luigi, live in the kingdom. It is mostly populated by Toad citizens. There are, however, colonies of Yoshis, Goombas, and Koopas. Other creatures in the territory around the kingdom include Boos. The kingdom's most famous currency is various colors of coins. Dispersed across the land are brown brick, brown brick blocks and golden question mark blocks, which may contain coins or power-ups. The kingdom is warp has warp pipes. Some pipes merely travel a short distance, while some worlds. New warp tools and areas have been introduced in games since, including the secret warp whistle in Super Mario Bros. 3 and cannons in New Super Mario Bros. Uh, so a lot of a uh, lot of various things in the kingdom of the Super Mario Brothers franchise. Uh, various tunnels that you can go down, which will take you to little bonus levels. Sometimes, sometimes they'll take you to a whole new level. Sometimes you get a shortcut and you can bypass the level, uh, which is really cool. 
Um, so, yeah, the tunnel system in Super Mario Brothers, or in just Mario, is really complex, it's really inter- intricate, and above all, very, very interesting. Uh, I love a good tunnel system in Super Mario. Some interesting locations in the Mario universe include Princess Peach's Castle. It is a large, central, European-style red and white castle, decorated with a stained glass above the main doors and representing the princess. Inhabited by the princess and her toad retainers, the castle first appeared in-game in Princess Toadstool's Castle Run in 1990, but is really depicted in Super Mario Bros. or excuse me, is really depicted in Super Mario RPG in 1996. Some some other locations of note including Mario's House, which is located near Peach's Castle. Toad Town is the capital of the Mushroom Kingdom, as seen in the Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi series. Bowser's Castle is the abode of Bowser, the arch-villain of the Super Mario video games. The castle has been destroyed and rebuilt due to this. It appears different in each game that it shows up in. It is usually filled with lava pits, booby traps, and Bowser's minions. A variation of Bowser's castle appears in nearly every Mario game, and every Mario Kart game features at least one track titled Bowser's Castle. Sometimes Bowser takes over Peach's castle and makes it his own. So really, really cool. A lot of various different locations within the Mario universe. Obviously, as I mentioned, some of the most iconic being that of Princess Princess Peach's castle and Bowser's castle. You know, and Bowser is that big turtle boss that you fight in most every Mario game. A lot of people, I found it interesting when I was doing my research, a lot of people thought that Bowser was a dragon of sorts, but apparently it's been confirmed that he is not a dragon and is actually a turtle. So now that we know a bit about some of the locations, let's dive into some of the very various power-ups and transformatives that you can get throughout Super Mario Bros. franchise. So let's start with the obvious, mushroom power-up. Everybody knows what the mushroom power-up is, right? You eat the mushroom and it makes you bigger, uh, which allows you to break blocks and thus smash enemies. So very cool. It appears in almost every Super Mario game. The most iconic of these is the Super Mushroom. The Super Mushroom increases the character's size, turning them into a super version of themselves and allows them to break certain blocks. As most, if not all of you guys know, when hit by an enemy, your character reverts back to their original size rather than lose a life. The Super Mushroom is similar in appearance to the Amantia Muscaria with an ivory stock below a red and white spotted cap, though it was originally red and orange. It was actually created by chance when Shigeru Malamato stated in an interview that beta tests of Super Mario Bros. proved Mario too tall due to this, the development team created the mushroom that we know today to grow and shrink Mario. Other types of mushrooms that have been introduced are the Poison Mushroom, which was first introduced in the Japanese Super Mario Bros. 2. It is a mushroom that causes damage when touched. The Mini Mushroom is a small blue mushroom recurring in the new Super Mario Bros. series that shrinks the character to miniature size. 
allowing them to access certain areas and pipes, as well as jump higher, float in midair, bounce off enemies without hurting them, run across the surface of water, and in New Super Mario Bros., you run up wall, and you can run up walls in Super Mario Bros. U. So, really, really cool. Uh, the Mega Mushroom, introduced in New Super Mario Bros., and also appearing in New Super Mario Bros. 2 and 3D World, grows the character into a towering and vulnerable giant who destroys enemies and the environment by running through them. So, a lot of various mushrooms introduced throughout the Super Mario Brothers series. Now, I have only played, I mean, I played the original three for regular Nintendo. I've played uh, a little bit of Mario Kart back in the day for Nintendo 64. Played a little bit of Mario, I think it's Mario Party. Uh, I think they made several of those games. So I'm familiar with a few of the mushrooms. Obviously, you know, I'm most familiar with your standard mushroom that makes you big and then shrinks you down when you get hit. And then also the green mushroom that acts as the extra life in the original Nintendo games. But, you know, this poisonous mushroom I was not aware of. Uh, you know, so as well as this other mushroom that I mentioned that allows you to grow to mega proportions. Um, so just some really cool types of mushrooms that you can get throughout some of these Mario games uh, going in the series for sure. So now that we know a bit about the mushrooms, let's touch on power-up suits. Now these are really, really cool. Uh, definitely thought worth including in the episode here. Um, there are several suits that act as power-ups, many of which are based on animals. The most well-known, I think, is the raccoon suit, which debuted in Super Mario Bros. 3. There's also the tanuki suit, which is similar to the raccoon suit, in that both provide the character with a tail that acts as a flight propeller. Along with these, there is also a Hammer Brothers suit, a frog suit, penguin suit, cat suit, and bee suit. So, tons and tons of various power-up suits took along with the various mushrooms throughout the Super Mario Bros. universe. Obviously, as I said, I played Super Mario Bros. 3, so I'm familiar with the raccoon suit. Uh, it is definitely advantageous if you can get that suit earlier on in that game. I believe I have uh, played a game where you could get the Hammer Brothers suit as well. I believe I've seen that one in action as well. As far as the Penguin suit, Cat suit, and Bee suit, not super familiar with those. Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't really touched on some of the newer Mario games that they've released in the past five to six years. So I have not experienced some of these. But either way, they all sound really, really cool, and they sound like they add to the game overall. So definitely have to check out some of these newer Mario games going forward. But that is just a bit about the Mario video games, what they are, what the universe kind of entails and their power-ups. Uh, now that we know a bit about what the game is as a whole, now let's switch gears and talk about the origins behind this iconic video game franchise. This franchise that has touched so many lives and that so many people have played and experienced throughout their lifetime. So. Getting into this here, Mario was created by Shigeru Miyamoto while developing Donkey Kong in an attempt to produce a best-selling video game for Nintendo. Previous games, like Sheriff, had not garnered the success of other games, like Namco's Pac-Man. Originally, Miyamoto wanted to create a game that used the characters Popeye, Bluto, and Olive Oil. At the time, however, Miyamoto was unable to secure a license to use the characters. He would end up creating an unnamed player character along with Donkey Kong and, lady, and a lady later known as Pauline. 
in an early day in the early days of Donkey Kong, the focus of the game was to escape a maze. While Mario did not have the ability to jump at the time, Miyamoto soon introduced jumping capabilities for the player. He reasoned, if you had a barrel chasing you, what would you do? Primarily, I'd run the other way, not jump. So interesting, interesting development there. You know, Mario first shows up in a completely different game in Donkey Kong, you know, it running away from barrels. Um, so interesting. I just thought it was very interesting that we first see Mario not in his own game, but rather in somebody else's game in Donkey Kong. Um, so now that we know a bit about who created Mario, let's talk a little bit about Mario's name and see how they come up with that. In the Japanese release of Donkey Kong, the character of Mario was named Jumpman in the game's English instruction and Little Mario in the sales brochure. A popular story of how Mario went from Jumpman to Mario is that an Italian-American landlord, Mario Seagal, had, bar had barged in on Nintendo of America's staff to demand rent, and they decided to name Jumpman after him. Miyamoto also felt that the best setting for this game was New York because of its labyrinthian subterranean network of sewage pipes. The pipes were inspired by several manga, which Miyamoto states featured waste grounds with pipes lying around in this game. They were used in a way to allow the enemies to enter and exit the stage through them to avoid getting enemies piled up on the bottom of the stage. The green coloring of the pipes, which Nintendo late president Satoru Iwata called an uncommon color, came from Miyamoto having a limited color palette and wanting to keep things colorful. He added that green was the best because it worked well when two shades of it were combined. So that is a little bit about how Mario got his name, as well as how they come up with the idea for the intricate pipe system that we see in most of the Mario video games. So now let's talk a little bit about Mario's brother, Luigi. Can't have Mario without Luigi, right? So Mario Brothers introduced Mario's brother, Luigi, who was created for the multiplayer mode by doing a palette swap of Mario. The two-player mode and several aspects of gameplay were inspired by Joust, to date, Mario Brothers has been released for more than a dozen platforms. The first movement from Mozart's Ein Klein Nakamusik is used at the start of the game. This song has been used in later video games, including Dance Dance Revolution, Mario Mix, and Super Smash Brothers Brawl. So apologies there. A uh, lot of big, a lot of big words. Uh, Japanese people made Mario, so a lot of big words, hard to pronounce words there. Uh, but yeah, so some some super cool concepts of how they came up with Luigi is they basically just reverse the color palette uh, to make Luigi green. So almost kind of basically the exact same character, just different color, as most people are aware. So that is how we got Luigi. Uh, so now let's talk about our new segment, Curious Legacy. Let's dive into the overall legacy that is Super Mario Brothers. And as we know, it is a massive franchise. As I've said, there's over 20 video games released. It seems they continue to release a new game every single year. Um, highly prop popular, highly profitable, uh, successful franchise for Nintendo. 
So diving into the legacy of Mario, the success of Super Mario Bros. led to the development of many successors in the Super Mario series of video games, which in turn formed the core of the greater Mario franchise. Two of these sequels, Super Mario Bros. 2 and Super Mario Bros. 3, were direct sequels to the game and were released for the NES, experiencing similar, similar levels of commercial success. A different sequel, also titled Super Mario Bros. 2, was released for the Famicom Disk System in 1986, exclusively in Japan, and was later released elsewhere as a part of Super Mario All-Stars under the name Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels. The gameplay concepts and elements established in Super Mario Bros. are prevalent in nearly over 15 entries. At least one Super Mario game has been released on nearly every Nintendo console to date, as I mentioned earlier. Super Mario 64 is widely considered one of the greatest games ever made and is largely credited with revolutionizing the platforming genre of video games and its step from 2D to 3D. The series is one of the best-selling with more than 310 million units sold worldwide as of September 2015. In 2010, Nintendo released... Uh, excuse me... Uh, in 2010, Nintendo released special red variants of the Wii and Nintendo DSiXL consoles and repackaged Mario-themed limited edition bundles as part of the 25th anniversary of the released Super Mario Maker, a game for the Wii U, which allows players to create custom platforming stages using assets from Super Mario games and in the style of Super Mario Brothers, along with other styles based around different games in the series. The game's success helped to push Mario as a worldwide cultural icon in 1990. A study taken in North America suggested that more children in the United States were familiar with Mario than they were with Mickey Mouse. That is super crazy. <laughs> you, you know you're super popular when you outpace Mickey Mouse. Another popular media character. The game's musical score, composed of Koji Kondo, particularly the game's overworld theme, has also become a prevalent aspect of popular culture, with the latter theme being featured in nearly every single Super Mario game. Alongside the NES platform, Super Mario Bros. is often credited for having resurrected the video game industry after the market crash of 1983. So, super interesting, the, the market crash of 1983 basically, you know, may never have come back if it had never, you know, if it hadn't been for the Super Mario Brothers franchise. So it seems like Super Mario Brothers is literally what saved Nintendo, you know, as a whole. So pretty crazy stuff to think about. In the United States Supreme Court case Brown versus Entertainment Merchants Association, the Electronic Frontier Foundation submitted an amicus brief which supported overturning a law which would have banned violent video games in the states of California. The brief cited social research that declared Super Mario Brothers, among several others, to contain cartoon violence similar to that found in children's programs such as Mighty Mouse and Roadrunner. That garnered literal, little negative reaction from the public. Because of its status within the video game industry, and being an early Nintendo game, mint-conditioned copies of Super Mario Bros. have been considered collector's items. In 2019, the auction of a near-mint sealed 
case version of the game was sold for just over 100,000 US dollars, and which is considered to have drawn wider interest in the field of video games. Collecting a year later in July 2020, a similar near mint sealed box copy of the game from the period when Nintendo was transitioning from sticker seals to shrinkware went for $114,000 at the time, the highest price ever for a single video game. So that's crazy to me. Let's let's break this down a little bit. So you have in the video game industry a law that was supposedly being passed, you know, that would ban cartoon violence for video games and thus ban Super Mario Brothers. And I find that absolutely bonkers. I, I find it absolutely ridiculous. I find it absolutely hilarious. I mean, you, you pick up a Mario game now. And yes, even though Mario does entail your taking your character and jumping on creatures and ultimately killing them. When I think of Super Mario Brothers, I do not think of violence in any way, shape, or form. In my opinion, there's nothing violent about Mario other than, like I said, you jump on enemies to dispatch of them. But I I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I wouldn't really see that as being considered violent. I mean, you have games now like Call of Duty and, and Elder Scrolls and, you know, and survival horror games like Resident Evil and Dead Space and, you know, all these much violent, much more violent and gorier games. But to think that back then people were worried about the influence that a game like Super Mario Brothers would have on their kids. Just, just absolutely bonkers in my opinion uh but yeah and then in terms of collector's items you know you have these mint condition copies of these games you know just back in 2019 and in 2020 you know just these past couple of years going for hundreds of thousands of dollars is insane to me that is insane for a for a video game you know and i'm i'm a collector of comic books you know so i i'm a little bit familiar with you know collector's items and being and and having intrinsic value you know i think the the amazing fantasy number 15 first appearance of spider-man i think it's it's worth is like thirty thousand or something I, I you know don't quote me on that i'd have to look that up but it's it's worth quite a bit of money you know if you get one that's in mint condition so to think that a, a mint condition old copy of a video game uh sold for this kind of amounts of money is just absolutely mind-boggling to me uh, so some really cool, really cool stuff there. Uh, but continuing on here, video game developer Yuji Naka has cited Super Mario Brothers as a large inspiration towards the concept of the immensely successful 1991 Sega Genesis game Sonic the Hedgehog. Really, really interesting. According to Naka, the general idea for the game first materialized when he was playing through Super Mario Brothers and trying to beat its first level as quickly as possible, and thought about the concept of a platformer based around moving as fast as possible. So that's interesting, you know, the fact that Super Mario Brothers, the game, is basically one of the inspirations for Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, if we if we didn't get the Super Mario Brothers that we have today, we may not have gotten Sonic the Hedgehog, you know? And by extension, we wouldn't have these awesome Sonic the Hedgehog movies that they've been cranking out here lately. Super pumped for Sonic the Hedgehog 3 coming out uh, next year. And, you know, obviously talking about Sonic the Hedgehog, gonna have to do an episode on Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, you know, later on down the line. 
definitely for sure love a good Sonic video game. Uh, so yeah, I just thought that was interesting. You know, without Mario, we may not have Sonic the Hedgehog. So Super Mario Brothers has served as inspiration for several fan games. In 2009, developer Swing Swing released Tooper Tario Tros, a game which combines elements of Super Mario Brothers with Tetris. Super Mario Brothers Crossover, a PC fan game developed by Jay Pavilion and released in 2010 as a free browser-based game, is a full recreation of Super Mario Brothers that allows the player to alternate alternatively control various other characters from the Nintendo games, including Mega Man, Link from The Legend of Zelda, Seamus from Metroid, and Simon Belmont from Castlevania. Mario, released in December 2012, that's Mario with a zero, it looks like, released in December 2012, combines elements of the game with that of Portal in 2007 by giving Mario a portal-making gun with which to teleport through the level and full-screen Mario in 2013 adds a as a level editor. In 2015, game designer Josh Millard released Enuji, a metafictional fan game with commentary on the original game, which relates to Luigi's inability to come to terms with the game's overall lack of narrative. Super Mario Bros. is substantial in speedrunning esquire for esports with coverage beyond video gaming and a specific version for Guinness World Records. So really interesting here. Uh, a <laughs> lot of lot of info for Super Mario Brothers. You know, I was pleasantly surprised when I went to research this episode. But it seems that due to Super Mario Brothers success, we have a number of various fan games that have been created due to Super Mario Brothers, you know? They, and they honestly, some of these sound really interesting. Some of these sound like they might be better than actual Super Mario's. Uh, the Portal version of Super Mario Brothers? I've played a little bit of Portal. It's not too bad. I think it would be awesome to play Mario with a portal gun and just be able to jump through portals through various levels. Uh, so that's, that's really, really interesting that we have various fan-based games based off the Mario franchise. Uh, interesting. I'm curious as to how they're able to to get away with that uh you know i guess they make it different enough that they're not going to be you know nailed for copyright infringement or other things like that so yeah that is the bit of the about the legacy of super mario brothers and some of the overall things that we've gotten because of the success of this incredible franchise you know it's just it's insane to me to think of the this the level and scale that Super Mario Brothers is today as opposed to what it was back in the 90s you know when I was a kid you know we had a few games back then and you know I thought those were the most amazing thing I'd ever played nowadays you have better graphics higher end consoles you know with just more in-depth storylines more in-depth Mario games overall so definitely the things we played back then were nothing compared to what we have today. But without those huge milestone games back in the day, we wouldn't have some of the incredible Mario properties that we have today. So yeah, it's just a bit about the legacy. And now, as always, let's turn our attention to some other properties that exist within the Mario universe. First up, a book. Of course, anything, any video game that you play, any movie that you watch, you know, nowadays, probably based on a book. Mario is no different. In October 1985, Takuma Shuten published the book Super Mario Brothers, The Complete Strategy Guide. It's content is partly recycled from Family Computer Magazine. 
plus new content written by Naoto Yamamoto, who received no royalties. It is Japan's best-selling book of 1985, at 630,000 copies sold. It is also Japan's best-selling book of 1986, with 860,000 copies by January 1986, and a total of 1.3 million. Nintendo of America later translated it into English as How to Win at Super Mario Bros and published it in North America via the Nintendo Fun Club and early issues of Nintendo Power Magazine. So, really, really cool. Uh, we have the Ultimate Guide to Super Mario Brothers, uh, the Complete Strategy Guide, and obviously, when that was published, it was massively popular. You know, it's interesting to me, you wouldn't think that a Strategy Guide book, of all things, would sell in those kind of numbers. You know, you wouldn't think that it would be that popular. But I guess, you know, I, I guess it is, you know, I guess with the, uh, the popularity that is the Super Mario Brothers franchise, you know, I guess why would this books or the strategy guides be any different, you know, if you're, especially if you're a hardcore fan. So, yeah, we got the strategy guide. And now let's turn our attention to the anime, film, TV show and movies. Uh, the 1986 anime film Super Mario Brothers: The Great Mission to Rescue Princess Peach is acknowledged as one of the first feature-length films to be based directly off of a video game, as well as one of the earliest Eseke anime. The live-action Super Mario Brothers film was released theatrically in 1993, starring Bob Hoskins as Mario and John Lig. Lugazima, I uh, can't, can't pronounce his last name, Legazamo as Luigi, John Legazamo. The American animated television series, The Super Mario Brothers Super Show, ran from 1989 to 1990, starring professional wrestler Lou Albano as Mario and Danny Wells as Luigi. An animated film based on the series created by Illumination Entertainment is currently in production to be released on April 7th of 2020. 23. So that's just a few of the various anime, TV shows, and obviously that old 1990s movie that we got, which was just an absolute disaster. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm under, honestly, I'm not sure why they released that movie at all. Um, it was absolutely terrible, uh, complete waste of uh, money, in my opinion. But as I stated, uh, we are getting a brand new movie in April 7th of next year an animated movie based off the video game series. The trailer has dropped for that movie. I encourage you to go check it out. It looks like this movie is going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, it is starring Jack Black. I believe he's playing Bowser. And then I believe... I, I'm not... I don't remember who is playing Mario. I would, I would have to look that up. Um, I think it's Chris Hemsworth that's playing M Mario... But yeah, I do know that Jack Black is playing Bowser, and the trailer for that movie looks absolutely phenomenal. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, so moving on here, the pinball machine that we have of Super Mario Brothers was adapted into a pinball machine by Gottlieb, released in 1992. It became one of America's top 10 best-selling pinball machines of 1992, receiving a gold award from the American Amusement Machine Association. So, really cool. We got a pinball machine. And honestly, why wouldn't we have a pinball machine? Honestly, I think that the majority of a lot of the pop culture things that we talk about, you know, especially things based on video games, uh, you know, probably have a pinball machine attached to them. 
you know, so Mario is no different. So that is just a few of the various properties um, that I thought we uh, would talk about surrounding the Super Mario Brothers universe. Uh, now, as always, let's close things out here and end the episode and talk about some curious and interesting facts surrounding the Mario Brothers franchise. So curious fact number one here, Mario was originally a carpenter, not a plumber. He's also appeared as a doctor in the 1990 puzzle title, Dr. Mario and its sequels. So really interesting that he was originally a carpenter and not a plumber. I did not know that. I thought that he always started out as a plumber. So curious fact number two, Donkey Kong Jr., the 1982 sequel to Donkey Kong, is the only game in which Mario officially stars as the antagonist. He has trapped poor Donkey Kong in a cage and the ape's son must rescue him. In the game's promotional material, Mario even gets a specially twirled mustache highlighting his evil nature. So really, really interesting that there is one game not even directly tied to the Mario Brothers franchise in which Mario appears as a villain. Uh, really, really cool. I think it, it adds um, more depth to his character, honestly. I think it's really interesting that they chose to make him a villain in one of these games rather than just being the good guy. So really, really awesome there. Curious fact number three, the first Super Mario Brothers game has sold 40 0.24 million copies, although that figure is skewed by the fact that it was bundled with the Nintendo Entertainment System console. It was, until recently, however, considered the best-selling game of all time. It has been pushed into second place by Wii Sports on 41.65 million units. So that's astounding to me. Uh, those are some heavy, heavy, intense numbers. A lot of copies sold of the first Super Mario Brothers game. It's even more incredible to me that a game like Wii Sports is the game that managed to beat Mario for the best-selling video game of all time. Absolutely crazy to think about. Curious fact number four here, Nintendo composer Koji Kondo provided the iconic soundtrack to Super Mario Brothers. The main theme, known as a ground theme, is... is one of the most recognizable pieces of game music ever recorded. The tune remained in the Billboard ringtone charts for 125 weeks and has been performed in concert by live orchestras. So that is not surprising to me at all, honestly. Um, Super Mario Brothers theme, it is so popular. I think, you know, the majority of the world probably knows the song. You know, you hear that, you hear that classic tune and you just know that it has to do with Mario and you know what it entails. And for me personally, every time I hear that theme, it puts a spring in my step, you know, puts a smile on my face because it brings me back to those early days in the 1990s when I would sit in front of my original Nintendo playing that original Mario Brothers game. So really, really fond memories every time I hear that theme. So lastly, curious fact number five here. Since 1995, the voice of Mario has been provided by American voice actor Charles Martinet. He also voices Wario and Luigi. So really, really cool. You know, honestly, up to this point, up to doing my research, I honestly thought that Mario was voiced by different people. You know, I didn't know that he, all these many years, since 1995, he's been voiced by the exact same person. That is absolutely incredible to me. Uh, that is some true, true commitment 
to your craft and to the character that you portray for sure. Um, but that's it, guys. Uh, that is episode number 12 of the Curious Clubhouse podcast. All things on Super Mario Brothers. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I absolutely loved doing this episode. Um, I've had this episode prepped for a while. Um, it just wasn't sure when the right time was to do it. And I thought this week was the perfect time. So, yeah, great video game series. It continues to grow every single year. You know, honestly, I think I'm going to go back and play some Super Mario Brothers now after talking about it because it is truly nostalgic, you know, and it does, for me, at least bring back a ton of great memories, and I'm sure it brings back a ton of great memories for you guys as well. But that's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, As always, you know, if you love what you hear, if you love this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. That is super important as it is helps spread the word, helps us find new listeners, pushes us up the charts, and allows us to keep bringing you guys these great, great episodes. You know, and as always, you know, if you get the chance, you know, head over to Apple Podcast, leave us a review, write us a nice little review. That always helps as well. You know, if you get the chance, even if it's not your platform of choice, it is much appreciated. As always, check out our Facebook page, the Curious Clubhouse Facebook page. We have various articles and little interesting snippets on other pop culture related material. You know, books, movies, TV shows, all the same types of things that we talk about here. You know, so just just more content, you know, to fill out your week for you. And as always, if you have any topic suggestions, you think I should do anything you want to hear for future episodes, you know, you can set you can email that to the Curious Clubhouse at gmail.com you know so again thank you guys so much uh look forward to next week's episode not sure what it's going to be about yet but i'm sure it's going to be amazing so looking forward to that guys as always thank you guys so much for listening stay safe out there you know we're in december it's starting to get cold we're headed into the holiday season so hope you guys are going to have a great christmas great holidays and as always guys stay curious